Today on Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse, we begin the wind down of our series, The Five Solas. We take a look at the last and the greatest of these five solas next. Join us for this edition of Graceful Truth. Again, hi there. Welcome to today's edition of Graceful Truth with our teacher and pastor, Steve Converse, from Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. Well, it's been a marvelous journey looking at these five solas of the Great Reformation. Jesus alone, through Scripture alone, by faith alone, and through grace alone. Today, all to the glory of God alone, soli deo gloria. Won't you join us? It's a look at the five pillars of the church, what it is we stand on and why. Our teacher and pastor now takes us to a look at God alone be the glory. Here's Pastor Steve Converse. We're in a series. This is the last message in the uh, Sola series, the Solas of the Reformation. We've seen them over the uh, period of time. And I just want to start with a scripture reading out of Romans chapter 11, which will be in in a couple weeks. But I couldn't help but uh, focus on this. Um, As I was studying for Romans, I thought, boy, I wish it would have fallen at the right time in this Sola series because this is really the the heart of it. Um, I want to begin in verse 28. Um, Paul begins in Romans chapter 11, verse 28. He says, as regards the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. But as regards election, they are beloved for the sake of their forefathers. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. For just as you were at one time disobedient to God, but now have received mercy because of their uh, disobedience, so they too have now been disobedient in order that by the mercy shown to you, they also may now receive mercy. For God has consigned all to disobedience, that he may have mercy on all. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments, and how inscrutable his ways For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counselor, or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. I want to read a little story for you as we start off here this morning. And you'll figure out what it's about as we go through it. The night is dark and it's cold. A fierce wind rattles the window panes. A small ten-year-old boy tiptoes quietly down the stairs. He cups his hand and shields the light from a candle he's holding, trying not to awaken the others in the house. Slowly, ever so slowly, he pushes on the door to the study. He knows it will squeak unless it's opened very, very slowly. And if anyone hears him, his mission will be over. 
Johann Sebastian Bach has a burning desire to play new music. Since his parents died, Johann lives with his brother, a church organist. His brother keeps his music locked away since he thinks it's, it's too valuable to be used by children. <laughs> Johann has already mastered the beginner pieces and now wants something more difficult to practice. Johann sets down his candle and squeezes his arm through the lattice of the locked music cabinet. Very carefully, he rolls a manuscript and eases it out of the cabinet. He spreads the precious pages out on the table. The rest of his night will be spent carefully copying the notes of the piece he will begin to learn the following day. Once he has copied the final line, he carefully places the music back in the locked cabinet. Johann returns to his bed filled with anticipation of playing that new piece of music. For young Johann, music is more than something to listen to or just to practice. It can cheer him up when he's sad. Music is the way Johann Bach expresses his thoughts and even his feelings. Johann Bach's love of music and dedication to practice begin to pay off. At just 17 years of age, he got his first job as the church organist. His Lutheran family was pleased to see him carry on the family tradition in music. Word of his musical, musical abilities quickly spread throughout the land. And one day, he went to compete in an organ contest, only to learn that there was no contest. The judges said to him, I guess you've won the organ contest, Johann. He says, but I haven't even played a single note. How did I win? Well, the Frenchman heard of your amazing talent and didn't want to risk getting beaten. Louise Marchand knows he can't beat you. See, when Johann played his music, he felt his soul praising God. In fact, he once said, I play the notes as they are written, but it is God who makes the music. After a few years, Johann got another job as a church organist and choir director at a small German church. He directed the choir and wrote the worship music used in the church service Sunday after Sunday. But even though he used his musical abilities and talents to glorify the Lord, a problem soon arose. Johann, people are complaining about the music you've been composing. <laughs> Bach was stunned. He knew that some of his recent pieces were his best work. What possibly could be the problem with them? The man continued, the music is, is too showy. Some of our members even think it's sinful. Music should be simple so that it draws attention to God, not to the music or to the performers. Bach couldn't believe this. His music was sinful? How could people call his music sinful when he only tried to glorify God? Bach took a deep breath before defending his music. 
He said, the main purpose of my music is to glorify God. Some people do this with music that is simple. I haven't chosen to use a simple style. But my music comes from my heart as a humble offering to God. This honors God no matter what musical style I use. Unfortunately, Bach and the church could not agree on the matter, so he started looking for another job. In fact, he changed jobs so often during his life, searching for the freedom to write music, that it was, just became one of the things he did. He finally found a temporary refuge in the town of Weimar. And this was the first time that Bach did not work for a church. But his boss, the Duke, was a religious man. The Duke encouraged Bach to continue writing sacred music. And for a while, Bach had the freedom for which he had searched. Even though Duke gave Johann the freedom to write the music he wanted to, Johann never forgot that it was God who made the music through him. Whenever he began a new piece, he bowed his head and he prayed, Jesus, help me show your glory through the music I write. May it bring you joy even as it brings joy to your people. Without Jesus' help, Johann knew he'd never be able to complete the task. Before even writing one note, Johann carefully formed the letters JJ at the top of the page. And with that, the music began to pour out of his soul and onto the page. When he was finally satisfied with what he wrote, he wrote the letters S-D-G at the bottom of the page. Soli Deo Gloria, for the glory of God alone. He hoped that when the music was played, it would point toward God. Now, you know a lot about Bach. He was probably one of the most brilliant composers ever. And even though the piece that he found there with the Duke of Weimar, he didn't last. It gave him temporary relief from the problem he experienced earlier. Instead of having to please the whole church with the music he wrote, he only had to please the Duke. And while the people of his day recognized Bach as a great organist, they never accepted him as a great composer. As a matter of fact, when he died in 1750, his music was considered old-fashioned and had been forgotten by most people. It was not until almost 80 years later that his music was rediscovered. In 1829, the composer Felix Mendelssohn found a copy of Bach's St. Matthew's Passion, the story of Jesus' crucifixion and death, and he decided to perform it. And the people who heard the performance of Bach's music loved it. They wondered why his music had been forgotten. Now that people knew about Bach's music, they began performing it at concerts and in churches around the world. Bach became more famous a hundred years after his death than he had ever been while he was alive. But he never desired to become famous. His desire was to glorify God. And today his music is played and studied around the world. It's used in almost every Christian denomination. 
It's safe to say that most people now agree that box music truly is solely deal gloria, to the glory of God alone. This brings us to our last study of these five solas. In Psalm chapter 3 verse 8, it said, Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people. The Reformation was just about that. That salvation belongs to the Lord and the Lord alone. We've gone through these five solos. And just so you understand where we've been, we started off with Sola Scriptura, the Bible alone. And this is really the formal principle of the Reformation. It gives us direction. It gives us a foundation upon which the other four solas were to be established. See, understand that Scripture alone was established to be the authority. Not Scripture and anything else. Not Scripture and the Pope. Scripture alone. Not Scripture and the traditions of men or the traditions of the church. No, Scripture alone. Not even scripture and the church councils. No, scripture and scripture alone. And then we looked at Solus Christus, Christ alone, the second week. The meaning that salvation has been accomplished by Christ and Christ alone. Not by Christ and our good works. <laughs> no, but by Christ alone. Not by Christ and our moral standing in our community. No, by Christ alone. Not even by Christ in our religious activities. No, by Christ alone. Solus Christus, Christ alone, basically teaches that salvation is found exclusively in Christ's work on the cross and in Christ alone. Thirdly, we looked at sola gratia, grace alone. Sola meaning alone at the beginning of each of these in Latin. And when we looked at grace alone that week, we realized that salvation for those, salvation was meant for those who don't deserve it. That salvation was for those who had no merit to deserve it. Salvation was meant for those who had no goodness in and of themselves to acquire salvation. That salvation was a free gift. That it was a free gift offered without any cost whatsoever to those receiving it. Even though it cost Christ dearly. Steve Lawson said this, salvation was not a reward for the righteous. It is a gift for the guilty. That's what salvation is. Salvation is not a reward for the righteous. Because the last time I checked, the Bible says there is none. <laughs> but it is a gift for the guilty. Grace alone. Fourthly, we looked at sola fide, faith alone. The idea that salvation is acquired by faith alone. Just like sola scriptura was the formal principle upon all which these five or four solas really... Uh, are built, sola fide is said to be the material principle. In other words, it involves every matter, every material of the gospel. 
The idea that we are justified by what? By faith. It was upon that material principle, faith alone, that Martin Luther in 1517 nailed that 95 thesis to the door at the church of Wittenberg. Calvin called justification by faith the main hinge upon which salvation turns. See, it's the cornerstone of our faith, beloved. If you get this wrong, you get salvation wrong. Faith alone, sola fide. Well, today we come to the last sola, soli dio gloria, for the glory of God alone. And this is held to be last in our series because it is simply the culmination of the other four. It's the apex, the crescendo, you might see, the zenith of all the other four solas lead into this one. Gerhardus Voss noted in his essay, The Doctrine of the Covenant in Reformed Theology. He's called it the root idea of Reformed Theology. And it unlocks the rich treasures of Scripture, the very glory of God. He said this, Herein is what distinguished the, re- the Reformed tradition. It began not with man, but with God. It began not with man, but it began with God. Voss writes, God does not exist because of man, but man because of God. This is what is written at the entrance of the temple of Reformed theology. We don't believe in a man-centered salvation. We believe in a God-centered salvation. So we conclude our study of these five solas with the ultimate finish in mind, you might say, with God purposing the glorifying of himself in salvation of sinners by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, according to Scripture alone. This is where all the other four solas lead to. The glory of God. It's the centerpiece of the solas around which they revolve. See, we are justified by faith alone because all of the work and the glory goes to who? To God alone in Christ. We look to Scripture alone because only the Word of God, the precious Word of God, is that which is perfect, revealing God and His salvation. God is most glorified when his word is most trusted. Our salvation is by grace alone because God acts out of his own motive to glorify himself. And not because he sees something special in us. He's most glorified when we acknowledge that we owe him everything. And not because of our own self-worthiness. Our salvation is won solely through the work of Christ. And so God is the only one who is glorified through Christ. See, if you mess up on any of those doctrines, then the glory is shared with ourselves. Apart from Christ and apart from God. And that's the problem with who we are as fallen human beings. Romans 3.23, all have sinned in what? Fall short of what? The glory of God. See, we were made to be holy as God is holy. 
And so to glorify God through our, our living in perfect harmony with God is reflecting his holiness. Now obviously we failed at the task. And we all know that nothing we could do ever possibly, even if we desire it with all of our heart, could reverse that failure that we're steeped in sin, that we have fallen short of God's glory. And you ask, well, how was the dilemma resolved? How is it going to be solved? It wasn't by us, but it was by God who sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who lived a perfect life here on this earth 30-some years, and then offered the perfect sacrifice, the perfect lamb of God, and then was raised on the third day. See, to God alone be the glory, beloved, The doctrine really provides the the calibration we need in our daily lives. I mean, life is complicated today. You're indulged with just information just coming at you from every angle. Your time is stretched. If you could ask one question throughout the day, what would it be? That would bring that thinking back to a biblical standard that would put it on the right track. It would simply be, what glorifies God? What glorifies God? In our relationships, maybe our spouse is unreasonable. Why should I be the one to give in to this situation? Well, what glorifies God? Why should I work hard at, at my job when everybody else is sloughing off and still getting paid the same or more than I do? Well, what glorifies God? What if I don't get my fair share? How do you respond to that? Well, what glorifies God? Ask that question of yourself in both small and big decisions. What will give God the most honor, the most glory? The first is found in 1 Chronicles 16, verses 10, 24. And these are just a a purview of some of the ones in the Old Testament. It says, glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Declare his glory among the nations. Or Psalm 29, verses 1 to 3 and 9. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders the Lord over many waters. And in his temple all cry, what? Glory. Or Isaiah chapter 6. We know this well. I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face. And with two he covered his feet. And with two he flew. And the one called to another. And they said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is what? Full of his glory. Or Isaiah chapter 24 verses 14 to 16. says they lifted up their voices. They sing for joy over the majesty of the Lord they shout from the west, therefore in the, in the, therefore in the east, give glory to the Lord. 
in the coastlands of the sea give glory to the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. From the ends of the earth, we hear songs of praise of glory to the righteous one. Well, you have been listening to Graceful Truth with our teacher and pastor, Steve Converse. And it's our prayer here at Graceful Truth that God would reveal his grace to your hearts through the teaching of his word each week. We trust you're currently involved in a Bible teaching church in your area. And if not, we'd love to have you come and visit us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We meet each Sunday morning for our praise and worship service at 10 a.m. We offer nursery care and Sunday school classes for our children up to grade five. If you'd like to encourage us here at the Graceful Truth program, give us a call. You can call us at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City at 650-366-9923. Questions, comments about the broadcast, maybe you'd like a copy on CD. Well, get a hold of us at 650-366-9923. We also rely upon our listeners as we continue the ministry. It is in part through your prayerful support that we're able to continue the ministry here on KFAX. So would you consider that as you contact us? Again, 650-366-9923. On the web, gracefultruth.org. And when you stop by our website, drop us an email. Let us know you paid us a visit. Questions, comments, prayer requests, we'd love to hear from you. So take a moment and write when you stop by gracefultruth.org or simply call us at 650-366-9923. Our thanks to you for joining us today. And until next week at this same time, God bless. God bless.